kind of loud. That's the music. That was actually one of the softer songs I listened to. Um, when I first set out to write this sermon series on, and we're talking about the uh, spiritual fruits that we're supposed to be known by. And today we were talking about faith, and as I start, set out to... Uh, to write this sermon, the Holy Spirit led me in a direction I didn't expect either. As this song came to mind, I think it came out, I want to say it was around 2005. Uh, so kind of an older song now. Um, this song by, uh, by uh, Since October, which is a, a band full of Christians... Who, uh, who sing about their faith and their, their album, Life Scars and Apologies. And um, I remember this song, and I was, I was thinking of the lyrics. And I know some of you, like, the, the, the music got in your way. So I'm going to read some of the lyrics for you, okay? Um, because, um, yeah, I personally, like I said, that's a slower, quieter song that I listen to. Um, but some of you I recognize don't have the same taste in music as I do. Um, um, so let's, let's, let's hear some of the, the, the... He says, I'm having trouble standing on my own. I'm sick and tired of believing I'm strong. How many ways do I have to say and how many times do I have to pray? You're the wall that surrounds me. It bound, bounds me. It keeps me locked inside the blame. How did I ever really come to this brokenness impossible to fix? I really never satisfied with promises. My faith has died. Another day, another hour bleeds away, and every minute seems to take its toll on me. And now I'm concerned that I've wasted time but how can I learn if I don't try? Do you understand me? Take my hand, please. Can you walk me through this maze? Something inside me keeps trying to break through. My broken excuse needs something to mend all the pieces. To mend all the pieces. This, uh, this poem, these lyrics, is about... A man whose faith has been destroyed because and broken and he feels like I can't believe or I don't know if I can believe or because it's come when faith hits life scars and apologies how many of you guys have been there right when your faith, it's good in church and you're strong and you know what you believe and at some times in your life you feel like those things, you're strong and you, you maybe accepted Christ. Some of you accepted Christ when you were very little and you grew up in a home and then you went to college and you found out that faith outside of in college is much different than faith at home. Or you went through college and you didn't have any faith. Some of you accepted Christ much later in life. And all those life scars and apologies have kept you from faith to begin with. 
say, I don't know if I can believe that. Those events that make it difficult, that make you wonder why, and make you feel low, and, you know, if God really loved me, if all these wonderful things. And if we're supposed to be known by the fruit of faithfulness, we're going to have to face those times of life scars and apologies and come out with faith stronger on the other side. But that does mean we're going to have to go through those times when you say, I don't know if I can do this. How many of you were taught that doubt in itself was just wrong? If you doubt, you're not a Christian. I'm going to say that that unfortunately has been taught in too many places. Doubt is brought on by life. And when we struggle through life with Christ, we come out stronger on the other side. And when we're at points in our life, we think, I could never really doubt this. And then stuff happens, right? And we say, well, can I really believe this? And you never thought you would. Because when we look at faith, faith, we ask ourselves, what is faith? Faith is not a magical word that you snap, someone snaps your finger and says, okay, I have faith, and now life is wonderful and good, and, and I'll never doubt again because, I mean, the only reason you, I mean, I can understand if you lock yourself in a tower and never leave, that you'll never have anything that makes you question what you believe. And some of you got to the point where you read the Bible and you don't question what the Bible says and you're not growing in your faith because you've locked yourself up in the spiritual tower. So what is faith? What is, how would you define faith? If you think I had to think about faith is what faith? <laughs> faith is our belief or our assuredness of God. His promises, His truths, firmness in God, security. I hear someone say security. I think often we put it in a, a more earthly term, right? If you're faithful to your spouse, your husband, your wife, your, your boyfriend, girlfriend, you're faithful to them, that means you're not cheating on them, you're not having an affair, you're not adulterous, you're not, you're not going on behind their back, falling in love with someone else, whether that be physically or spiritually or emotionally, right? And so part of faith, just like that to God, is saying, well, I'm not cheating on God. That's what we, we call it, idolatry. I'm not cheating on God. Faith is that, that, that thing that gives us a closeness to God even when we feel distance. And we take steps of faith. We took a step of faith. When you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you took a step of faith. You accepted God. 
And he said, because I believe that he is real, he is true, and he is in my life, that Jesus Christ came to die for me, and that he, that he is at the right hand of the Father, interceding on my behalf. Holy Spirit has come to live within me. You took that step of faith, and I, I know it's a step of faith because you cannot actually test that. There are evidence for God. There's evidences for Jesus Christ. I mean, we know Jesus was a real person. I know there are those people out there, God, I hate it. There's enough evidence, biblical and non-biblical, to say that Jesus was a real person. If it was anyone else in the world, there wouldn't be people saying he didn't really exist. There's actually more evidence that Jesus exists than Homer, who wrote the Iliad, exists. And we don't have people, well, Homer wasn't a real person. Might have been two people, but... So we can point to evidences that lead us to Christ. We can point to evidences of how we know the, the Bible was passed on from eyewitnesses accounts we can we can do all this evidence work and and I love the evidence work it really has, helps me solidify my faith as I was growing up uh, 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 I'm, I'm a very analytical person I know some of you in this room are too very analytical it helped me solidify my faith as I was growing up and I, I said well what about this religion well if this one's true what about this one and I said, well, and I, had, and I could look at the evidences of, of how the Bible was transferred and the discipleship and doing that work through church history and, and doing all that. And so I could find evidences because evidence, faith does not have to be blind. We're talking about blind faith. Faith does not have to be blind, but it is a step of faith. There's something in it that we have to say, I cannot prove God. Because God is outside of the realm of scientific proof. You can't disprove him either. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's beyond that scope. So you're going to have to take a step of a tape of step where you say, I want to be assured in Jesus Christ. I want to take a step that Jesus is my Savior. Holy Spirit comes upon me when we, we believe and begin to grow faith. And when you first accepted Christ, it was probably a, a little faith, right? You knew he was real, but you, it was may, uh, maybe not a lot of action to it. You know, if you were, especially if you were a little kid when you did it, right? Some of you were little. I was nine years old. Faith in Jesus meant I knew he was real and then I could trust my parents. That was the rest. That was, that was faith for me. And then as we grow in faith, we become more assured that we can do things like take a step of faith and move across the country and come to Laughlin, Nevada. <laughs> Quit a job where I had security and come to Laughlin. Because um, we grow on our faith and, 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 and fruit, like in all things, it, it, you know, it, it has to grow. And then, just like all the other fruits, there are things in our lives that tend to come in, weeds, 
people, sin, someone else's sin that hurts you, things that come in that make you question, and you begin to affect, and it begins to say, can I really believe this? And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've probably gone through a period like this. In fact, there are some of you in this room that I bet are in that period right now. Where you start to question, because you're struggling with discouragement, maybe a little depression, you know, I'll throw that out there. Um, discouragement, depression, these are all normal things. Now, there's one in eight of you will develop clinical depression. All right, one, two, three, four, five. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we, it's, it's, in the United States, it's very, uh, we have, there's a lot of, of depression. Some, one in eight of you will, 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 will develop a clinical depression. And when I talk today, I'm not going to talk to the clinically depressed. You guys probably need more help than a you guys need more help than a sermon can provide. Okay, so we're going to talk right now about those people who are in going through the normal highs and lows of life. We call them depressions when you go through a low in life, a valley, you might say. And the Bible is full of people going through lows in life. I mean, one of my favorite uh, prophets is Elijah, right? And he goes through this amazing event, right? He goes and he takes on 450 po- uh, prophets of Baal, and, and he calls down fire from heaven, and they, they, the people kill the prophets, and say, we're going to worship God, and then... The very next chapter, he's hiding in a cave because he feels like he's all alone. And he's dark and he's going through this, this depression. He's struggling. Look at David. I mean, David goes through those patterns. Depression happens. And so as we think about that, I think I, I was, I was, as I was praying about this, I was thinking, and I remembered a sermon I heard years ago, and I, I could not remember where I heard it, so sorry. I'm going to not take credit for these, this sermon, the, the points that I make here, but I can't remember where it came from, so I'm going to throw that out there too. Because you know me, if you guys read my notes, I like to give credit where credit's due. I always put that biography in my notes section. I didn't do it today because I don't remember. <laughs> Years ago, I heard this sermon, uh, and it stuck with me. And so I was remembering Nehemiah chapter 4, and God brought it to my spirit. And Nehemiah chapter 4 is, you know, most churches, we only hear this passage when we're doing like a building project, right? Um, that's when we talk about Nehemiah. We got something to build. Let's talk about Nehemiah. But Nehemiah has so much more in it than just building projects. And so I was remembering Nehemiah. So as, as, I, as I read, we're not going to reread Nehemiah chapter 4. You guys can go back and do that yourselves. 
Uh, Carolyn did a wonderful job of that, so uh, we thank her for that. But, um, but as I, uh, there were, were four things that came to mind, discouragement, that four, four, well, four reasons for discouragement found in Nehemiah. Number one is loss of strength. Look at those feeble, weak Jews. Without strength, they don't have these walls to protect them. They don't have the... One of the reasons we get discouraged in life is because we do lose our strength. Things happen. We get fatigued. We get overbooked. How many of you guys forget to take your Sabbath? And you're like, well, I take Sundays off-ish. I mean, I'm working at the church, but I'm still, it's off-ish. Those of you guys that know in my, that, 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 that come here during the weekdays, I'm very adamant about take your rest day. In fact, I've gotten on to a few people about taking their rest days. <laughs> when we get weak in ourselves, when we get overbooked, too busy, the Bible has made it very clear, God made it very clear, the Sabbath day was for rest. And the principle behind that is not necessarily take Friday to Saturday off or Sunday off. It was you need to take time off. You need rest. It wasn't because God needed a day off. He's God. It was because he's modeling something that we need rest. Even when we're doing the right things, we can get overwhelmed. And when we get busy, and when we get tired, we let ourselves get overextended, right? That's when we're most accessible to fall into those depressions. Like Elijah, calling down fire from God and killing 450 people could not be an easy task. Gets overextended, runs up in the cave, feels like he's all alone. We need rest. Another reason, loss of focus. When we focus on the wrong things. Look at David. When he's supposed to be out in war, kings, all, kings go to battle, he's up in his room focusing on someone else who's taking a bath up on her. We're going to go through the life of David uh, after this sermon series. Just briefly. There are not too many sermons on that one. But when we lose focus, and we can lose focus on what's wrong, and, and it could come because we're, we're, we're watching too much TikTok, right, or, 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 uh, or, or too much news. Some of you guys leave it on CNN all the time, or even Fox, and you're know, watching the Fox News, you just leave it. That will drive you out of the focus, right? News in doses is good all the time is depressing, <laughs> I've stopped watching the news. It's too depressing. They just want to make you fearful to drive you to buy stuff. 
But if we focus on what is, instead of what is focused, we lose focus. I mean, look at, in, in this passage, they lost focus when the wall was half done. Right? They had a task, they had a goal, and they lost focus. How many of you guys, we have our, 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 uh, your goals in life, your, you, you, you know, some of you call them resolutions, but you got things you wanted to accomplish this month, this week, this year, and you get halfway through it, and you're like, I don't know if I can keep doing this, or you take your focus off it. If you take your focus off it, you're not going to get it. You know, you put that picture up on the wall, and it's going to remind you every day, and then it becomes static, which is why you have to, con- if you Putting things on the walls, like memory verses to remember them and stuff like that, wonderful practice, but you have to keep changing how you do it, otherwise it becomes static in your life and you don't even see them anymore. Um, there's a lot of evidence towards that. Um, so like you, you, if we don't, we lose focus, right? Number three is lock, loss of confidence. Mm. Whether it's in yourself Words in God. I can't do this. You know what? I hate that saying, and I've heard it said so many times, so I'm going to say it again. You guys have heard me talk about this. That saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I hate that saying. Because there's a lot of things that, of course, one that's taken out of context. But there's a lot of things that I can't do unless Christ is, or no temptation, um, the passage says there's no temptation that is not common to man, and we translate that as uh, God won't give me anything that I can't overcome. Mm. He's going to give you lots of temptations you can't overcome outside of him. You say, well, uh, okay, and say, oh, I can do all things that Christ can strengthen me. We put that on the jerseys. Like, I can play basketball because Christ strengthens me. Mm-mm. We can make it through life because his, his, his staff and thy rod, they comfort me. They lead me through to waters. Not that we're going to get through it okay, but we're going to... We can make it through. And sometimes when we lose confidence in ourselves, it's because we've taken our focus off of God. We lose focus on God, it's because we're wanting to do some, Him to do something that He's not either can't do because it's outside of His character, like snap His finger and make all your enemies die. It's outside of His character. That question, can God make a boulder so big He can't lift? That's outside his character. That's a dumb question. God will only act with inside his character. Take our, our confidence and, and our, our, we lose confidence in ourselves because we failed in the past. We, we look in... How many of you guys have seen yourself live in life in the rearview mirror? You just keep staring in that rearview mirror. Here's a nice challenge for you. Go out on this road right here and drive 
straight while looking in the rear view mirror. Don't do it. You're going to crash. You're going to crash. I know uh, when, I, when we, we teach new drivers, you have to tell them, okay, you glance at the mirrors, you don't look in the mirrors. Because what happens? You look in that mirror and you start going to le you know, left, the right, and you're not seeing what's in front of you. We can, if we lose confidence in ourselves, a lot of times we've looked in, in the rear view mirror. And you can't see everything in the rear view mirror. You don't see all the times you succeed. We remember the times we failed. There's a psychological term for that. We tend to remember things we failed. And so when we look back, we need to be looking back and seeing the times that God has led us through where we've succeeded. But when we glance at the rearview mirror, we glare in the rearview mirror, we're often just focusing on the things that we've, and we're going to crash. The next reason for discouragement in life often comes from our lack, our, our loss of security. In that passage, the people are all around them, so they see the walls not finished, and they say, we're going to come in and attack them, and so they're having to, to, to rebuild the walls with swords on their face. Fear is one of our most common enemies. And what does JFK says? The only thing we have to fear is fear itself, right? No. <laughs> it was it JFK? Um, you know, we, we do have to, um, fear is one of those things that does debilitate us. Now, fear in itself is a natural response to something dangerous. Therefore, a good thing. But when we get wrapped up in fear, we get caught up in fear and it controls our life. We don't acknowledge, I have a fear. We have to acknowledge, because every time you have a fear, you have to say, ask yourself, is this fear because I might get hurt? Or is it something like, if I do this, I will get hurt? And we have to say, we have to evaluate the risk. And we have to say, can, I make, can God get me through this? God does not want you to put your hand in a flame and burn your skin off. That is not God's will. Well, I don't like snake handlers. I know some of you probably come from snake handling tradition. No. I don't like it because you're challenging God. He, he, yes, if a snake bites you, the Bible does say that you can survive these things. There's the staff of Boaz and, and a passage that may or may not have been in the original passage about picking up snakes. But, you know, you're afraid of getting bit for a reason. It hurts. And you might die. You have to raise the risk. Just because you want to prove you're something to yourself or someone else, not a good reason. But we've been through a lot. The enemy attacks. You lose your job. That's a loss of security, right? You had that money coming in. And you know, I don't know. You have to quit a job, lose your friend, lose a spouse, been betrayed by someone you thought you could trust, been abused. All these things cause us to lose our sense of security. And some, some of you, if you've been abused enough, it will take you years to recover that sense of security. And 
uh, and intensive, maybe even therapy, where you work. I mean, these things happen. So we, we've got loss of strength, loss of focus, loss of confidence, loss of security. All these things lead to, lo- to, to lows in our lives. Now I'm going to give you four steps to deal with those lows. Because I can't just leave you with what causes them, right? We have to, we have to deal with them in our lives. Because they will happen. We do come up at times where we have to deal with them. So there are four steps, four things from this passage that we can, that we can help us deal with the discouragement. Number one, get moving. You know what they did? They didn't say, oh, woe is me. They're going to attack me. The wall is not done. You know what they did? They focused on the area right in front of their house, and they built. They moved. They did something. Do something positive. Be proactive in life. When you start feeling discouraged or when you recognize that you're discouraged, right? Sometimes we don't recognize it until we're already in it, right? Do something proactive. Now, that could be, uh, you know, because we say, well, I need to pray, right? Praying is wonderful. You do need to pray, but you can't just stay there. You have to get up and build something. So do something positive. Work out. Serve. Help others. You know, it's been shown that when we take the time not to be a someone's slave or doormat, that's not what I'm talking about, when we take the time to say, I'm going to help someone else, I'm going to serve someone else, that we actually improve our own mentality. Because we focus on not our own problems, but solving an issue. Rest, have fun, get moving. Step two, get perspective. That was one of the things that Nehemiah told the people. He says, remember who is for you. God is for you. And remember that passage of God is for us, who could be against us, right? Of course, we use that out of context too much. But in this case, it's true. God is for me, so I'm going to gun down 100 people in the name of Jesus. No. Though it has been used that way many times. No. When God is for us, they can't stand against us. Even yourself can't stand against you. Journal. Read about God. Look at the times where God has got you through. Don't live your life in the rearview mirror, but it is good to look back and see the positive moments that God has presented in your life. Take a, uh, what is the modern psychobabble term for it? A thankfulness journal, which we've been saying for, for years, right? You know, there's that old hymn, count your many blessings, right? Now they, they call it a thankfulness journal because they're taking God out of it. Uh, <laughs> but, we, but the idea is, 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 it stands true. Remember, God, be thankful. Read Psalm 103. Wonderful Psalm. We're not going to read it right now. Read it on your own. Wonderful song. Help us remember who God is. Step three. Fight. Get mad. Not unholy anger. Get mad. Fight. 
Don't slip into that victim mentality. Oh, woe is me. I have been wronged. I've been hurt. We can survive. It's not poor as me. Fight. This is not anger. Get up and punch someone in the face. Though sometimes you want to. This is fight the depression. Fight. I through God's strength, can make it through this. I can take steps. I can go get counseling. I can, I can, I can take the right, I can, I can read my Bible. I can go, I can, I can choose to not focus on discouragement. I can say, you know what, I notice I'm having these negative thoughts. I'm going to choose to fight forward. I'm going to pick my battles. You know what, I know I'm overwhelmed. I need to fight to clear out a space so I can have some rest. And yes, sometimes we have to fight to clear out that space, don't we? Because it's easy. People will demand something from you 24-7 if you let them. So fight. So if, if, if it's because you're, too, you're becoming too fatigued, fight for that, that part. You say, well, I don't have time to spend with God. Fight for that time to spend with God. I don't have time to get moving. My job, fight for that time to get moving. Step four, get connected. Fine. I don't mean get connected by like, going, going to church can be a wonderful thing, but that's not what I mean here. I mean, get connected. You don't have to do this alone. Find that group or that person or that that you can get connected to. We're supposed to be, God made himself in communion. We're made in his image. We're meant to be in communion with one another. Isolating yourself is our temptation to be like David, uh, like Elijah up in that mountain, right? Pull ourselves away and God's response is, there are 7,500 people in this town alone. You're disconnected to yourself. Because that's one of our first things we tend to do is disconnect. You need to get connected with people. With, with, it doesn't have to be people. Person. Find that person you can relate to. Counselor, friend. I know, we're running out of time. Next steps. Everyone deals with life. Everyone deals with scars. For some of you, it is worse than others. Some of you have deep wounds. The question is not, will you get hurt in life? Will you not have times of doubt? The question is, how are you going to deal with it? As we go through the day, this week, I want you to look at those reasons for discouragement. See if you're falling into a trap. Make sure you're self-guarding yourself against things. Like fatigue. And then I want you to get moving. I want you to get perspective. I want you to get mad. And I want you to get connected. Because... As we're to grow in our faith, we have to be faithful 
to the one true God. And I don't want us to fall into that point where we're saying, I don't know if I can believe. And yes, that person's going to hurt. That person may hurt you, but they have no control over whether you believe or not. Because you don't believe in that person. You believe in God. You may find that interpretation of the scripture harmful. You know what? You don't even worship the Bible. You worship the one true God who reveals himself through the scriptures. Maybe your next step is let me accept Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, for the first time. I want to take that step of faith. Now's the time to do it. I want to, take the, I want to be baptized. Now's the time to do it. I want to join the local body of believers and say I'm going to take action here at, at Laughlin Community Church. Now's the time to do it. We're going to go for a time of invitation. Let's pray first. Father God.